wonderful day. Wow, I am in my neckties today. Feels good, it's been long. But it also, <laughs> that's how much you feel like you've moved on to certain things. Feels so uncomfortable. But I'm glad I look nice. <laughs> All right. Partly, it's because I'm talking about Jesus and money. So, you see, I have to look like, uh, like that <laughs> for you to listen as well. So, we're starting the new series. It's called Unstrapped, like Samson has talked about. So, the meaning of Unstrapped is, the meaning behind it, it's all about exp- freedom, you know, to be untied from whatever is is binding us or strapping us. It also comes from the uh, from the term strapped. To be strapped of something is to lack. So to be strapped of cash is to lack cash, is to lack money, is to be, you know, uh, bankrupt of it. So that's what to be strapped is. So we want the church of God to be unstrapped. And that's God's desire for us to be unstrapped, to be in abundance, to live in abundance in our finances, in every area of our lives. Like we have been talking and been preaching about our spiritual health. We've been talking about our relation relation health. You remember our health habits. We've been talking about our the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we can grow in them. We've talked about uh, getting ready as children of God as the time gets close for Jesus, as Jesus has promised to return. And, and, and today we're talking about our health in our wealth, you know, financial health. And we can get some biblical wisdom on, on these matters, on how to, to engage God in everything that we have and even in our finances. So in the next six weeks, we'll be talking about financial wisdom. This series is all about stewardship, financial stewardship, wisdom that we need to apply in everything that God has given us, both cash and non-cash material substances that we have. So today, to start with in our series, I'm going to preach on the message that I've entitled, What Jesus Thinks About Money. So we're going to simply learn what Jesus thinks about money versus what we think about money. Our attitudes towards finances and Jesus portrayed attitude in the Bible towards finances and his expectations about us and what we have. I remember the other week I talked about how many times God, when he blesses you and I, he doesn't just leave it to be. Most of the time he comes to visit to check whether the blessing has replaced the blesser. Mm-hmm. Because that's a human tendency or tendency to replace the blessing, to replace the blesser with the blessing. We get drawn so much to the blessing. We get drawn so much to benefits and enjoy them rather than continuing in being well-rounded. So we had examples of how God had to to visit Adam and Eve to look at their abundance, whether they were living in obedience to him, even in the midst of their abundance. We looked at how, how God visited a man called Job to go and see and test whether his great financial wealth had replaced the blesser or if he was healthy in his wealth. And then we looked at Abraham as well. How God visited Abraham to look at whether his wealthy had replaced his spiritual health, his relationship with the blesser who was God. And then he came and said, give me your son. Give me this great wealth that you have, the gift of his child, your son. And Abraham did not hesitate and he passed that test. And God said, indeed. You are righteous. You are faithful. Abraham, you are my friend. With Job, God said, indeed, Job is my friend. With the first Adam, he failed the test and disobeyed God. And there's quite lots of examples. But today, I want us to dwell in the New Testament and look at what Jesus says about money, about material stuff, about possessions that you and, have, you and I have or have acquired. So, and there's just, it's so amazing, just was going through the New Testament and in Jesus', Jesus teachings and running all together, Jesus spoke 37 parables. 
during his time. You know, Jesus mostly spoke in parables. Because it was their culture of the day that the wisest of their, their time spoke in parables. And the people had to go with scrolls and pens and papers to try and find out what those parables meant to them. So Jesus spoke 37 parables during his time on earth. And then out of 37 parables that Jesus spoke, 17 of those parables were about money. 17 out of 37 parables, he spoke about money. There are all these parables and sayings of Jesus about finances. And today we'll look at three of them uh, quickly. So 17 of them out of 37, that more than half talking about material possessions, talking about money, talking about finances, talking about treasure, everything that is to do with money. Jesus spent a great deal of time talking about them. The question is, why? Why would Jesus, he only had three years on earth <laughs> to fulfill and accomplish everything? Why would he spend more time talking about money than anything else? Well, the reason is simply, there, there is nothing that touches and impacts a human life more than material stuff. And also, the reason is, with our material stuff, that's money uh, in our time today, cars in their time, horses and farms and servants and, and gold or uh, precious stones and whatever we have, if we do not, the great deal why Jesus had to spend more time talking about these things is because if you do not worship your material, then you have to worship God with your material. And that's what God desires. He's trying to show us that these materials that we have have got a way in which we are bought by them, in which we are controlled by them to the extent that it reduces the quality of life that God intended for you and I. In wanting to pursue and follow in acquisition of all these material stuff, finances and all this great deal, we find that our lives are going in a monotonous way, in a way that is only growing health, or maybe according to our perception, in a way, and maybe miss everything else that God intended us to have. So Jesus spoke his parables to just illustrate on how we should worship God with what we have, with our wealth, rather than allowing us, our lives, precious lives, worshiping the wealth that God has given us. Amen. Are we together? Are you with me? Say good amen if you are with me. All right, at least that's so good. I want you to tell your neighbor that worship God with your substances. Tell them worship God with your material. Okay. I want to believe every one of us in here, whether young or old, or whatever age group you are in, or financial status or status, we all have material. We all have something. There is no one in this life who has nothing to give to God. Whether young or old, everyone has something to worship the Lord God with. What I mean is because everyone, whether young or old, they have something that they treasure most. They have something that they consider to be theirs, and they can't, they are, they are stingy or they, there's that, that uh, temptation to, to stingy anyone else from what they have or to want to keep it to themselves. I see it in our children. Whenever we buy them things, they want to take care of them, toys and all these things and things that, that are not, that, that are really personal, even clothes and other things, all these material things, even our children do have them. So Jesus is expecting us to gain a certain understanding of how God views or perceives our material possessions or our finances. Mm -hmm. so, so Jesus had to spend most of his time to be able to highlight on this subject, on these matters, so that we may be able to grow in every area of our lives. So, Many people, most people, they avoid talking about money. And in many churches, we, we almost wish this subject should not be talked about. 
But do you know what? Eventually, everyone talks about it. And when you break the silence to talk about finances or money or whatever material you have, there is a feeling for every person, whether poor or rich, there is a feeling that we have whenever we talk about money. And my question as I go through some of these feelings is, what is your feeling? What is your feeling when you talk about money? Some people, when they talk about money, it brings guilt. To others, it brings shame. For some people, when money is being talked about, it brings embarrassment to them. They feel embarrassed. To some people, whenever finances are talked about, there's this sense of pride that comes. You feel so proud of it. For some people, it brings a great sense of joy whenever they're talking about finances. To some people, there's just this longing in their hearts for more. For some people, there's just this contentment whenever finances are being talked about. For some people, there's just this discontentment that comes whenever we're talking about money. The question is, what do you feel? What you feel about money will actually show your growth in that particular area. What you feel whenever subject of finances or material possessions are talked about will actually show how you've been able either to manage it or how you've been able to grow in that particular area. And Jesus knew even in his time that was a big deal and he never avoided to talk about it because he saw how people really lost so many things and they lost the kingdom of God, some of them, uh, how some of them gained the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about the balance and we we'll look at the balance today. He talked about how it is so hard for the rich people to enter the kingdom of God. And on the other hand, he talked about how a non-believer, like you look at, who were wealthy, how they gained friendship and, and they gained the kingdom with their material possession. There was balance and he was illustrating how where we lean will actually show whether we can have a quality of life or the best of life or we can actually miss having the best of life as God has planned for us to have. But the big topic there is money, finances, material stuff. Well, not, not really to, I just wanted to go down. What is money? <laughs> what, what is money? I have some few questions uh, and the first question is, what is money? We know what money is, all of us. We know that money, money is a medium of exchange. Not so. <laughs> as simple as that. Well, and also we know that apart from that, we know that it's uh, an agreed upon item that you can make a purchase with. Or money is this item that we've agreed upon, which makes life a little bit easier. You exchange it with what you want to have, with the services that you want to have, or with items that you want to acquire in its place, right? Instead of changing your puppet nice-looking dog for a cup of chocolate, <laughs> you have money to exchange to have that cup of chocolate. Instead of exchanging your son or your daughter in order to have a car, you get the money and exchange in order to acquire that car. You understand? So with it also, the way Jesus, or the way God thinks about it, if it can facilitate your exchange of what you want to fulfill your pleasure in this life, it can also be used for you to gain friendship in this time. It can also be used for you to gain, uh, to acquire, or to gain, or to give services and continue promoting the kingdom of God. It can also be used to give you uh, a reward or a crown of glory on that one day when Jesus will return with crowns, with a crown in his hands or with the rewards in his hands. How we spent life will matter a lot. Here's something that probably we need to go back and refresh ourselves about money. Money is amoral. I don't know if you've come across this term, amoral. Amoral is something that has no soul, that has no life, that has no spirit, something that has no brain. Right? So money has got no life. Money does not think where to go, what to do. Actually, I've never seen money 
being drawn in the court of law for committing a crime. <laughs> it may facilitate a human being to commit the crime, and a human being will be put behind bars, will be jailed, and not money. Right? <laughs> because money does not think. Money does not have life. Money does not commit crimes. Money does not have the brain capacity to think. But it is used by a human in order to bring about acts. So the action that manis will bring will be dependent on an intellectual health or your decisions or your capacity to manage it. If you have not been trained well on how to manage it, it can actually ruin your life. If you have not been disciplined enough on how to manage the finances or the monies that you acquire, we've seen many people have been so good growing up so well, and they have some money, their life is completely ruined. Have you seen some people like that? It's not money that has ruined them. It's their inability to have financial disciplines that ruins them. Because money is immoral. It does not decide. Actually, with God, money is not sin. With God, money is not bad. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 says something about money. It says that the love of money is the root of what? Oh, evil, not money. Money is good. And God intended us to have it to enhance things in our lives, to enhance our lives and to give us some. But the love of it, and God is trying, Jesus is trying to work against our devotion and dedication to gaining it more than our persu persu persuasion or our pursuit to gaining life and the kingdom of God with it. Jesus' idea and attention is for us to worship him with it than to worshiping it. You understand? So we have to be able to understand that God thinks a lot about what matters about our lives and he has, he has laid it down in the holy book and he wants us to be well rounded. Samson gave an illustration, an example in the Bible in Matthew 19 this morning about a rich young ruler. A rich young man who came to Jesus, what do I do to gain the kingdom of God? And Jesus says that, well, keep the commandments. You know what it says. And it says, I have done all that. I have worshipped, I fast, I go to, to, I keep Sabbath and all that. And then Jesus said like, oh, well, well done. Your life is in between. Then he says that there's this one life, one part of your life which you need to be disciplined with. Go and give your finances to the poor and follow me. And that man says, no, I give you my heart, God, not my pocket. And he ran away. He went away. What is sad. Jesus was trying to demonstrate how when we are sold to what we have, how we can end up missing eternal life if we do not know the source and the honor of everything that we have in life. Are you with me this morning? Are you following? Then another question I have for you or for us this morning is, what does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say about money? Like I've said, the Bible says so many things about money. But, but one, one of the most things is God's desire for us to have life to the full. He knows that the love of money has to be kept in a balance. Nothing should be able to replace God in our lives. Not even money. Not even education. Nothing. He says, the Lord your God is to be worshipped. Put God first in your life. Put him ahead of your life. In front of everything that you do. Let him be. Let him be the deciding factor for the decisions over everything that you have in your life. That includes money. So I have come across this question. Why does the church talk so much about money? <laughs> Why does the church talk so much about money? First, can you go to the slide, the, the slide that we've just uh, about? Yes. What does the Bible say about money? You know, I deliberately chose that picture with a man looking towards money, not his Bible. 
<laughs> because this really, I know you didn't pay attention, but, but you know where his eyes are? I got both, oh God. And that's like I was just picturing that rich young ruler. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had gold, he had the commandments of God in his life, but his, his focus on life was where a quarter was, you know? And, and, <laughs> and when Jesus says that, hey, shift where you are looking. Look towards that and let go of this. That young man went and never returned. I believe he never gained the kingdom of God because that's what he came to ask. He, he understood that he never had it. So he came to Jesus and said, what do I do to have it? And Jesus told him how to have it. Then he was like, this is too hard. I can't give up on my money to have that. So some people hold that perspective about life. All right, let us go to the next one. Why does the church talk about money? Well, there are two good reasons why the church should talk about money. And the first reason is that the church talks about money or how we should grow in our financial capacity and in our material possession. Number one, because God talks about money a lot in the Bible. There are so many scriptures on, because if we keep on, we, if we avoid talking about this thing, I'm telling you the truth, it, it will only have effect in our lives. If we do not grow to understand and to have a balanced life and balanced heart over everything that God gives us, when he blesses us, we may fail the test. We may fail to be able to have that balance that God intends for us to have. So God wants us to know that everything that we have, he created them. He is the owner of everything. I want you to know God does not talk about money a lot because he is broke and he wants your cash. God does not talk about money in the Bible because God wants you to give to him. He doesn't have, have you read uh, Isaiah? He says that I own everything. The heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. I step there. Everything that is there, cattles on thousands of hills and gold and silver and the riches under the earth and the ground belong to me. He says, if I needed something, I would not ask from you because they are mine. What is going trying to illustrate? He says that if everything belongs to God, then he has put us as stewards. We are managers of finances on behalf of God. That's why he doesn't want to let go of that subject. Otherwise, he owns everything. It's like you work for the mine and you get good salaries. Let's say you, they pay you in diamonds. And then the owner of the mine, wanting to see how you're managing the diamonds, and then you begin to think that is jealousy for your two diamonds. Meanwhile, he owns the whole mountain with diamonds. You understand? That's just my thought. God owns everything. And he talks about it because it's a great deal. Here are a few statistics. I just got a few statistics uh, from the Bible. Just the things I was just going through for us to just realize. Like I said, uh, about how many times Jesus talks about money. And then uh, uh, just like nearly 25%. Of his words, Jesus' words in the New Testament, it deals with stewardship. So he did not only talk about money, he also talked about how we ought to manage money. Jesus talked about how we ought to manage our finances. And also, one out of every, one out of every ten verses in the Bible, actually, in the Gospel and the New Testament, deals with money. Most of what you read about is talking about how they managed it, how some people were punished. Actually, to... to, to to just bring a lesson, we know about Ananias and Sapphira, not so? Just to demonstrate how God thinks about obedience in, our, in this area and how he does not want us to spread this disease of disobedience and the worship of the spirit of money called mammon in, our, in, in the presence of the believers. It's a big deal with God. And then I just was going through there, over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible, actually talking about tithe. Over 2,000 scriptures talking about giving, tithing, and saving God with money and gaining relationship and friendship with the money that God has given you. Over 2,000 of them. Isn't that a great deal? 
It is. So the church talks about us growing in this particular area because the owner of the church talks more than we do even about that subject. He expects you and I to grow in this particular area. What would be the reason? Well, it is because there is a direct correlation between the way we handle money and our spiritual growth, our spiritual maturity. The way you handle this area of your life actually will show your growth in the Lord. Just like physically, young people or babies, they have a tendency of holding everything to them. You give a young person or a child something, a younger person, and then ask it from them. You have different <laughs> reactions. Some will like you refuse, and if you try to take it, they will cry. Others will give you, but you know what? They're going to cut just a little bit of what they, you have given them to give to you. All right? And, and it goes different with how children are trained. It also varies. But you just show, it's just to show the nature of humans. So also, if we are babies in the Lord, that will also reflect in our financial health. That will reflect, we'll, we'll try, when we have money, we'll try and manage and sort out all the problems we have. And if there is something left, then we come to God to give him a leftover. God does not say that. He says, give him the first and the best from what you have. Not the leftover. After you've managed everything you can manage, and if you don't manage, you even consume the little that you need to give to God. It's not about how little we have. It's all about the principle, how God views our attitude towards him and our growth in that particular area. There's a scripture in Matthew, in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, up to verse 40. Jesus, in this particular scripture, he talks about a, a, a man who went on a journey and then divided what he had to his servants. Okay? And this, and when, and there was a time, everybody gave them money. Others call them talents. In other versions, it says gifts. So, to one, he gave one. To others, he gave five. And different kind of talents. Jesus was talking about this. And then there was a time when this man returned from his long journey where he had gone. And then he called his servants back all together. Come on, guys, give a report. This is Jesus saying on one of his talks or parables about money. And then people came to give accounts on how they managed what they had received from the master. Everyone had done so well. Everyone had done so well. But this particular servant who was given one talent or 1% of the monies, he came and said, you are a bad master. You reap where you did not even invest. So I got your money or your talent or silver and hid it in the ground. And I wanted to come and bring it back to you. Here is your money. Back. Well, at least he did not consume it. But there is something wrong about it. Which Jesus condemns. Jesus says, the owner says, why didn't you give it to the bank? So that it is service and so that it can multiply, can have it with interest. Or why didn't you give it to anyone who has capacity to be able to multiply so that it is good? Then he says, grab it from him. And you know to whom it was given, give to the one who has more. And then Jesus ends by saying, those who do not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. So think about that. Those who do not have anything. Even what they have will be taken from them. For me, that simply means everyone has been given something. Even though we may have an attitude or perspective that I don't have everything or anything, Jesus is saying that everyone has something given to them by God. That's why I started by saying even the young ones, they have what they treasure. Jesus said, grab from them what they have. Give it to the one who has more. And then he says, what, what was his verdict now? Get him. Throw him outside. Out of this party. Jesus says, 
outside there, it, they are thieves, they are murderers. It is dark, there will be gnashing of teeth and a great deal of groaning in pain outside there. We have to grow well in this area of finances. What is your attitude towards money? And today there are so many, many uh, theories and so many teachings about this area of finances. While there are truths versus facts about finances, also just in summary of that parable, what Jesus just said. The truth is this. The truth is money is something of great value. And the fact is money is a tool. It's not like money is bad, money is not what, money is not what. No, money is good. And, and being wealthy is good. And actually God, have you read? The Bible says that I desire that you may prosper in finances, even as you prosper in your spiritual health. Even as your soul prospers, I desire that you may prosper in finances. So God wants us to live well, to prosper. But God, above it all, he wants us to worship him with our prosperity. Above it all, God wants us to worship him with the little or the abundance that we have. So Jesus has talked about that. It's also, he talked about the Pharisees who would give to show off and also talked about a widow who was ashamed even of her giving. But she gave from everything that she had. There's quite a good balance about this subject and Jesus did not just leave it without letting us know that God, God also desires that we may grow well in this particular area. There are, there are schools of thoughts about money. Some schools of thoughts think that money is everything. Other people think that money is everything. Without no money, no life. Well, that no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says no God, no life. No Jesus, no life. Jesus says, I am the life. It means that no Jesus, no life. But when you have finances, it enhances, makes things easy for you. So finances are good. But finances are not everything about your life. If you have that perspective about it, God expects you to work hard. To work and gain it and have it. When you have money, when you have this material possession, God expects you to serve him with it. To invest in the eternal treasures. To invest in places where it cannot be stolen. It cannot be corrupted. In the places where at the end of the day God will come and praise you. And praise you for it. And say good and faithful servant. Because you are manager from God. To manage his people. To manage his creation. And to manage his finances. He's the owner of everything. If he has placed you as a leader, he expects you to manage well his people, to lead his people, to disciple them. If he has given you academics and careers, he's expecting you to represent him well in your place of work. If he has given you money or material possession, buildings, vehicles, everything that we have, he's expecting you to be a good steward of what he has given you. The other school of thought is that money is nothing. Other people think like, ah, for me, money is nothing. <laughs> well, money is not nothing. The fact is that money is something. Money is a great tool. And there's this perspective from Christians as if money grows from trees in heaven. When you pray, God should drop it right in your bucket or basket. God expects us to work. He says, I will bless the works of your hands. And you know what it says in Deuteronomy? But remember the Lord your God, for it is him who gives you strength and wisdom to make what? Wealth. <laughs> so if, it, if what does it mean, remember? It means that serve the Lord your God with your money, for it is him who gives you the ability to make it. It is God who gives you the ability to make wealth and to live well with your finances. So if you worship the Lord, if you remember the Lord your God, then your source will never run dry. Amen. Let, from this lesson, let us look at three big truths 
<laughs> I call them big truths. They are no small truths, but it's an emphasis on what Jesus teaches us about money. And here is the first thing. The first thing is that everything I have belongs to God. We see that from Deuteronomy, chapter 14, verse 22. Everything that you have belongs to God. So if everything that you have belongs to God, what should be your attitude? Worship God with your money. Do we have that scripture, Deuteronomy? Just to look at it. All right. In Deuteronomy, the Bible actually talks about, like what I, you know, it talks about how God will make them prosper, prosperous, how God will bless them in the land they are going. And then the Bible is reminding them about putting God first, about worshiping God with what they have. So if everything we have belongs to God or came from God, if God is the owner of everything that we have, he expects us to worship him with all that we have. He's expecting us to worship him with the material, with the finances, with everything that we have. Not, that, not, not like a rich young ruler who said, I've given you my heart, but you are asking for my pocket, therefore I'm going away. God says, give to God, remember him. Remember God in everything that you have, in everything that you do. So, another thing is now, this how do you remember him? How do you submit to the Lord if everything belongs to him? Well, save him with it. Help the poor with your money. Also, bring it to the church. The church needs it in order to enhance and operate and run the kingdom of God here on earth. We do God's business here on earth. It's not anyone's church. It's not Sylvester's church. It's not Lena's church. It is the church of God. And how we run it one day, we'll stand before God and give account of how we did open church here on earth. He cares about everything. So, therefore, how you support the church of God, how you support open church, one day also you give account of how you support the church of God. Do you know that, actually? Has that ever crossed your mind? It's a big deal with God. How we help the poor, how we help the orphans, the vulnerable, with our money. Also, we give account one day to God. Now, God has also put a command. It's not even a request. Bring, he says. Bring a tithe in the house, in my house. Tithe is a big deal with God. Now, let me talk, let me, let me tell you a little bit, because some of you feel like maybe it's just the church, or maybe it's just God wants my tithe. No. Let me tell you this. Tithe is not just about obedience. It is, but it's not just, the big deal is not just about obedience to God. Giving your tenth or your 10%, your tithe, while we preach about it and, and ask you to bring it in the house of God. It's not because the church just wants it so much, so badly. Well, the church could make a good use of it on behalf of God. But do you know what's a big deal with tithe? It reminds us who is the owner of everything you have. Tithe reminds you and me, who's the boss? Remember, in the garden, God blessed that tree not because he wanted to trap Adam and Eve. He placed that tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of evil and good, to remind Adam who is the boss in that garden. To remind who is the owner of the garden. And then they needed to obey God. His command of not eating from it in order to continue living in that prosperity, in the finances they had, in the relationship with the animals, in everything that they had. They just simply had to obey God. So also God has placed the same tree in your life. Now this time around it is tithe and offering. Let's look at tithe. Tithe is obedience to God's command. To remind you who is the owner of your life, who is the owner of the finances, who gives you wealth, who gives you wisdom, who gives you power to create that wealth you have. And when you obey God, do you know what he says? Why am I saying a tree? Because God he says, to Adam and Eve he said, if you, if you eat from it, you die. Do you know what it means? If you do not eat from it, then you live in abundance. Not so. You live in peace and long days here. 
So God also says in Malachi, if you bring the whole tithe in the house of the Lord, I'll open the windows of heavens for you. You have abundance such that you not even have room where to put your wealth. What does it mean if you do not do it? That's how come many people live in poverty, in lack, in closed doors, because they have disobeyed God. Whenever we have money, God is not up here. He's the last option. When we do not have money, then we are kneeling before God and praying and fasting for that job, for that marriage, for that employment, for that business, for that project. And God knows, only God knows what you will do when he gives that request to you. But if we live in obedience to his command, being real, recognizing who is the owner of what we have, the Bible promises us that the gates of heaven will always be open for you. You move under open heaven. Not because it's an exchange. I give you 10 kwacha, Lord, if it's 100 kwacha of your 1,000. Therefore, God give me back. No, actually, it doesn't make sense. How God multiplies what you have based on that obedience. Tithe is an act of obedience to God. To show that God owns every single thing that you have. Well, you might think because I go for work, I owned it. Your Deuteronomy says he gives you strength to make wealth. And I told you, the big deal about Jesus with talking about money is because he knows that it's either you worship mammon, or it's either you worship money, or you worship God with your money. It's either you worship your material things, you worship your car, your good house, your fancy life, or you worship God with your fancy life. God wants you to be prosperous, but he knows that the enemy knows where to make you an eye poor. By making us disobey God. Do you know how the enemy could make man run out of the garden which had everything? By them disobeying God. Give to God. Develop that heart of gratitude to the Lord. By remembering him. When you get paid. When you have businesses. When you make income from anything that you do. First before anything. Remember God. Actually it doesn't even ask us much. If you have 1,000 there is how much for God? 100 kwachas tithe. If you have 100 kwacha, how much is there? 10 kwacha. If you have 10,000, how much is that for God? 1,000. You may think, giving 1,000 to change? I mean, what's that compared to 10,000? If you have 100,000, you have 10,000 for God. If you have 50 kwacha, how much is there for God? Bring it. How about if you have 5 kwacha, how much is there for God? 15 ways. Do we refuse envelopes with 15 ways? We don't want to get punishment from God. It's about the principle. If you can give your 15 ways, you will give your 50,000 kwacha. It's about the principle. And actually, God does not come to praise you because you have outgiven everyone in church. He comes to praise you because you have obeyed his command. Young people, you may say that, oh, I don't work, I don't have any money. Wow, from your bundles... From that money, you are appreciated for looking <laughs> beautiful. I almost said that. From the monies that you wake from your parents' homes and they give you. From anything that you do, God is looking at whether you are obedient to his principle. Are you a student? Actually, you can also give tithe. From everything that you have. If you're asking for school fees from your parents, even say that I got to give tithe out of it. If they give it to you. <laughs> for your groceries, for your boarding schools, you have to ask. I have to give. Do you actually know that big things start small? How many of you know that? Yeah. Some of us want. If you don't have the principle of big things start small, then I guarantee you big things will grow small. That's how it is. If small things grow big, then big things can grow small. That's why the Bible says this in Proverbs. And, in, uh, and also, yeah, it's repeated in Matthew. But in Proverbs, the Bible says, train up or raise up a child in the way they should grow. So that when they grow up, they will not depart from it. And you know where we, we, throw our, we spend most of our attention to train up a child, teaching them scriptures. And they grow up knowing the Bible without actions. 
We have to teach them everything, parents in the house. We have to teach them everything. You come to church, give your children an offering to give to God. When they grow up, they will know that I will need to bless God first in my life. Are we there together? <laughs> so, and you know, in, with that, there's a, there's a scripture from Luke chapter 16, verse 1 up to verse 8. So Luke chapter 16, verse 1 up to verse 8, Jesus is talking about this man who was not a Christian, who was not a Jew, who was not a believer. But this man was a manager. You know, it's part of the 37 scriptures, or the 17 parables of Jesus on finances. He says this man had worked and misused, actually had ravished and misused the master's finances, being the manager. I want us to read. Do we have that? Let us read it. You see how unfair this was. Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. And then this, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig fields. <laughs> I'm ashamed to even beg because I've had good life, you know. And he says, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will come me into their houses. So he called each one of the master's debtors, asked them, he asked the first one, how much do you owe my master? This man says, nine gallons, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Who, who does that? It's not your money. For sure, this man had, had, had wasted his manager's things. Not so. Because we're seeing how he's ending now here. And then, then he asked the second, how much? But first of all, I wanted to take you that this first man, he was owing 900 gallons of olive oil. Do you know how much that is? Do you know how, many, that, how much that is in our counting today? 30,000 liters of oil. 30,000. So now do the math. From 900, he says, make it how much? 400. He says, I have pardoned not even half. Five, five, 500. He was owing 900. Not so. Then he says, I have given you 500 free. Bring back 400. Now, if 900 is 30,000 liters of oil, <laughs> how much is 500 that he gave away? It could be 16,000, not so. If 15,000 is half of 30,000, and he gave 5,000, then he forgave 16,000. It's like giving a tanker of oil away. What a great loss. Now let's continue. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? Uh, he says, a thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800 from 1,000 to 800. Now, do you know how much is 1,000 bushels of wheat? 3,000 tons. Do you know tons? Like we see truck and trailers, those trucks and trailers. That's when we're thinking about tons. Think about, Pastor Nicholas, how much is in tonnage is one truck and trailer in approximation? 30,000 tons, right? So, 30,000 tons, that's how much this man was owing. And then this man says, remove maybe 2,000 tons, or I don't know, whatever amount of tonnage you may think about. So, that's how you wasted away. The master, but look at this, he told him, take your bill and make it 800. Then, the master commended the dishonest master because, the, the dishonest manager, because he had acted shrewdly. For the people, and then Jesus concludes by saying, For the people of this world are more clever in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. And then Jesus down there is talking about know how to gain 
friendship and serving God with your money. This man was commended and he was praised. Inasmuch as he wasted, but he was commended because at last he wanted to serve God. He wanted to save relationship. He wanted to save his image using what he had, these earthly possessions. That's another of Jesus' parables. And many scholars, their minds are like, how would Jesus compare the righteous people with the wicked and believer like him? Jesus, no matter who you are, whether Christian or non-Christians, Jesus thinks equally and the same about your financial management. How you use money, Jesus thinks the same. He has one principle. We have to serve him with our money. So, how you manage it matters. Let's go to the next one. Um, on the next big truth about what Jesus teaches about money. The second one is, uh, the third one is, how I manage what I have matters forever. How I manage what I have matters forever. You know, God wants us to use our finances to be able to raise disciples, to be able to promote and support the kingdom. We have to be kingdom investors. Invest in the kingdom of God. Invest in serving God with everything that you have, including your money. Invest it in the kingdom of God. How I manage what I have matters forever. And we get that from Jesus' other parable from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. There are just three verses. Maybe let me quickly read them. Yeah. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth no, will lose in heaven. I think that's from 1818. Not so. That's scripture. About that time then, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders or the chief priests. Let me read it from my Bible. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. That's the scripture we were looking at. Okay. This is what it says from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I want us to bring up a lesson from that. That Maybe you can remove it. That's a wrong, a wrong one. Uh, this is what the Bible says. Do not lay up, chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, the Bible says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what the Bible says. Jesus says, where your monies are, where your treasures are, where your cars are, where your money is, that's where your heart will be also. Do you see how some people know about the politics of the banks and everything? Well, they have to do. Their monies are in the bank, not so. If your money is in the bank, why wouldn't you know is the bank manager, how, what the cars the bank manager drives, where he gets it from, and <laughs> the people, people know about the markets on diamonds and gold and what's trending and what's selling. It's either two things. It's either that's the business you are in or it's either that's what, what you are aspiring. Not so. Ask people about these forex things and how people about all this liquid money. They will tell you every simple, every single thing. And you'll be surprised like, how do you know these things? Well, they're spending much time studying them because that's the area they want to grow in. Is that bad? No, it's not. It's absolutely fine and very good. And you must know that. We must know that. But that's just qualifying what Jesus said, the statement Jesus said. Jesus said that where your finances are, where your treasures are, where your possessions are, that's where your heart will be. Is that not true? It is true. You should know homes. You should see homes which has got treasures in them. You'll find the people with guns there guarding it. Have you observed that? I mean, imagine I just go to get the police to come and manage my home at night. For what for? <laughs> but you should see some homes. We have even guns guarding them. There are things they have to protect. There are 
treasures in there to protect. Does it mean our lives are not more important? They are. Yeah. But it's just qualifying the statement of Jesus. Where your treasures are, there your finances are. If that is true, then here is the thing. How you manage your treasures matters forever. How you manage what you have matters forever. Where you give. Actually, if we don't know how to manage money and material possessions, they've got a way of financing everything that can kill us. Money can finance sin. Just like money can finance the kingdom of God here on earth. Money can buy you a lodge, room with someone, just like money can put food in the stomach of a child of God who is hungry for days. Money can buy you things that you don't need, just like money can make the church of God look nice. So when we give tithe, we are obeying the principle. How about when we give the offering? When we give the offering, do you know what we are doing? We are worshiping God with our money. We're worshiping God. We say, I give you my heart and I give you my hand. I give you everything that I have. And the Bible says, do not, actually it's also a principle. You know, please may you not, says, do not come to the church of God empty hands. That's what the Bible says. Have you read that? Do not come to the, to the house of God, what? Empty hands. And David says, how can I give to God something that costs me nothing? Just talking about people's discipline on worshiping God. So let us grow in this area of worshiping God. It has actually to be automatic. When we give up our lives to the Lord, we have to understand. Because this principle is also in the kingdom of darkness. They don't worship Satan with their hearts and minds also without their possessions. They do worship him with everything. Not so. So it is in the kingdom of God. Because just that where your finances, your treasures are, that's where your life will be. I pray that you will grow in this area in the name of Jesus. I pray in this season that we are in, that our lives shall be nursed and we begin to think and reflect on how to be kingdom investors and serving God with everything that we have. I want to pray for you. Maybe you are in this place. And this is one of the areas where you feel bound and you don't have freedom in it. This is one of the areas where your life has not been doing well. You find it difficult to be generous as God commands his children to be. Both with God and both with other people. Maybe you have this tendency that I am poor, I don't have anything. No God's child is poor. We all have something. If a widow who had nothing to give gave what they had and Jesus commended it, then he's saying that there's no one who is too poor to serve God with everything they have. How would God give you more? How would God make you unstrapped if you have that love of money, that worshiping of money, and that spirit of mammon controlling your life? He expects you to be generous. He expects you to be steward. Being a steward, it means that you don't have to be wasteful. Because on another day, we'll learn about Jesus' principles on a wasteful servant. The son who was given the money, how, should, how you wasted it away. But Jesus expects us to be good managers. Good stewards of finances. And maybe many of us are strapped because we have not grown in this particular area. God wants to make you well, wealthy, rich, prosperous in every area, in your spiritual growth, in your physical growth, in your intellectual growth, emotional growth, and your financial growth, financial health. But you have to learn to obey God. Maybe you are there, you are saying that, God, I'm sorry, I've been stealing from you. I've been disobeying you. In the area of tithe and, and offering. I've not been bringing it in your house. And I've not been serving you with it. I want to pray with you. You can make